We've got a great panel. We've got a great conversation. And I went around before, and the way ROI likes to do events, we're not one of those people where we sit around and we bore you to death for an hour and a half, and we say, well, we think we got time for one question while everybody wants to go get coffee or go to the bathroom. So our goal here is to make this more of a backyard barbecue type conversation. We want to have questions early and often. We want to have we want to have arguments. We want to have fights. Just don't throw anything. It's all good. Um, we've had some events. We bring the panel up here, and it, the tables start talking to each other, and we just all sit around and play cards. So we hope we don't get to that. But we want to have this a good conversation. You guys, this is a good topic. You guys all came out here for a good reason. So we welcome you, and, and we're glad you're here. We're going to start with a brief presentation because we know how everybody likes PowerPoint presentations. But I'm going to bring Judy Savage up here. Judy is, is the reason we're having this event. She wanted to get everyone together and we're grateful that she did. And she's just going to give a quick overview of what we're doing and what we're talking about. And then we'll introduce the rest of the panelists. All right? So a hand for Judy. Thank you. Thank you, Tom, and the other Tom, and everybody at ROINJ. It is great uh, to be here today. We are super excited about having the opportunity to talk among schools, employers, about the evolution of vocational education from the old VOTEC to today's career and technical education, and how county vocational schools can partner with employers to address your looming workforce needs. Um, just, you know, quick housekeeping. We're going to um, run through 10 and have lots of time for conversation, conversation afterwards. Um, so in my role as executive director of the New Jersey Council of County Vocational Technical Schools, um, since about 2001, um, I've kind of had a front row seat to this evolution of county vocational schools, from the old Votex that many of us uh, remember to um, very much in demand career and technical education high schools. It's, if you haven't been to one of our county vocational schools lately, you'd probably be surprised at what you're going to see. Yes, you're still going to find programs like welding, like culinary arts, carpentry, Automotive, absolutely. Those are the mainstays of vocational education. Our schools are still committed to do that, and they do it very well. But with all the new technology involved in, the, in those kinds of programs. But alongside um, these kinds of programs, you're going to find new things, like manufacturing. We've had an amazing growth in the development and number of manufacturing programs throughout the state. Healthcare programs, from um, allied health programs that are training nurse assistants to more um, science-based programs that are preparing the next generation of doctors, nurses, physical therapists, etc. Um, biotechnology programs that are research-based. Um, digital media and digital design. This is where it's at in communications, and students are uh, developing those skills. Computer science and cybersecurity. Um, engineering, and you know, you see a picture of a drone on the screen there. Um, drone technology and aviation are, are part of all these programs. Business and finance, so a shot from Bergen Tech where they actually have the Wall Street um, ticker tape running in the classroom. All of this represents a major shift 
away from what we used to have is a few kinds of VOTEC programs that served a small segment of the population <coughs> to a really broad swath of career and technical education programs that serve all types of students. Whether um, it, a student is you know, aiming for, for the top for four-year college at a competitive college or university, they can, they can get a leg up. That um, traditional vocational student who really, you know, doesn't love the academic classroom but um, thrives in a more skills-based, hands-on environment, those students are doing beautifully. Even students with disabilities um, have a great place in career and technical education. Um, the, today's carpentry student, for example, Certainly, a carpentry student might come out of a carpentry program and go right to work for a local contractor and you know, continue to learn and advance their skills over time. They might go into a labor union and become a, an apprentice where they're going to receive four years of on-the-job and classroom training before becoming a full-fledged journeyman carpenter. They might ultimately start their own business they might even decide that they love the whole larger commercial construction business and go on to become an engineer and a construction manager. Today's career and technical education programs need to prepare students for all those kinds of options. It's no longer an either or academics or career and technical education. Career and technical education programs do both. Um, they inf you know, often infuse math infuse science, infuse all of the um, key, key workforce skills, communications, problem solving, teamwork. These things are all part of a career and technical education program. Because it, students need to be prepared for all options. Students meet two sets of high school standards. They meet all the regular academic standards that your own kids went through in high school. And they meet a very rigorous set of technical standards that are um, aligned to industry. Generally, they have some kind of work-based learning experience that's critical and it's important. That's what makes it real. And we want to talk about that today and the role of employers in providing that. They also, um, wherever it's possible, they're earning an industry credential, something that's recognized by industry. If those credentials are not available to the high school students because they don't exist or you know, student under 18 can't take them, they take a nationally normed technical skill assessment in say it's in carpentry or whatever. So here in New Jersey, we're really lucky that we've got a very strong system of career and technical education. We've got 21 county-based um, vocational technical schools. Each one of them is different, meets the needs of the region. They have a unique mix of programs and deliver the programs in different kinds of ways. You might have a full-time career and technical high school that offers 10, 12, maybe even more different career programs, students doing all kinds of things under one big giant roof. You might have some smaller career academies that's a small four-year school on a particular theme like STEM or healthcare or information technology. Um, we also have career and technical education programs in local high schools. A lot of local high schools are doing a um, great job. They're trying to develop more programs, get new programs into those facilities. It's Some of the programs are very hard to deliver in a local high school because they take a lot of space, they take a lot of equipment, and it's hard to find those teachers. But um, certainly, there's that piece. And community colleges are part of the mix, too. 
um, most, and also most of the vocational schools do offer some uh, adult training programs in the, in the evenings. So before we get into some discussion, um, I've got one more fact that I think is surprising that I want to um, leave you with today. Because a lot of people for a long time have thought about career and technical education or vocational technical education. That's something that's really important. It's something that's really great. But maybe not for my kids, because my kids are going to go to college. Well, demand for career and technical education in New Jersey has gone through the roof. Um, enrollment's up um, more than 34% since the year 2000, it continues to grow. County vocational schools have been turning away as many or more kids than they're able to accept. When we, we, the last time we collected the data, there were 17,000 high school students in New Jersey who applied to a county vocational school and couldn't get accepted. That's a total disconnect with any employer in this room who's saying, I'm concerned about my future workforce. We need kids with technical skills all across the board, whether it's in the trades or in STEM or um, cybersecurity, anything like that. Thankfully, that's a message that resonated with the legislature, with the people of New Jersey. Um, a bond act was proposed about a year ago to um, for the state to borrow about $500 million for a couple of key educational purposes. Thankfully, it was approved, and um, the state will be providing $275 million to expand county vocational schools in the next year or so. That is a huge opportunity for all of us, for the vocational schools and for the employer community to work together. Um, this is very much aimed at the technically skilled occupations that are really in high demand. It's going to be um, aligned with key things in the state. So we see this as you know, the start of a conversation about how we can um, work together and make sure that we um, maximize this opportunity. So with that, I am going to um, leave, leave the presentation and let's go to some questions. <coughs> All right, thanks, Judy. Um, we're lucky we have a great panel here. I'm going to give them all a brief chance to introduce themselves. Let's just go down the line. We'll start with Greg. Good morning. Thanks, Tom. I'm Greg Lollaby. I'm the business manager of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Uh, what we're most known to do is be operators of heavy equipment. Uh, we're most identified by our own training school, which is only a couple miles from here, fronts on the turnpike. I'm sure many of you have seen it. Uh, what we do besides operate heavy equipment, we work in the dealerships of a lot of the equipment dealers. Uh, our members are there uh, repairing equipment. We work at the rental places doing the same thing. Uh, we also operate equipment in a lot of the mines in New Jersey that mine both rock and sand, and <clears throat> it would probably surprise many of you here uh, how large that business is throughout the state. Uh, but in our, in our own training program, uh, we've been you know, training operators for 100 years now, uh, want to do it for 100 more. And uh, we're moving along into a, a new world for us where we're changing our educational platform to be responsive to new technology and looking forward to having uh, conversations with a lot of you about how we can do that and how we can work together to create pathways uh, into a job of an operating engineer because it's uh, part of our mission now to destigmatize blue collar labor uh, to make people understand uh, that it's a good career path and to um, also 
put the educational piece in it so that we can tell mom and dad we're not abandoning the education. It's not going to be a binary choice. Uh, we're working on blending appre apprenticeship with traditional education uh, so that we can attract people to do uh, a lot of the career, a lot of the businesses that are here in the room uh, supply that workforce. So I look forward to the conversation. Awesome. Tom? Hi, I'm Tom Brennan. Uh, I've been known as a professional hacker for many, many years since leaving the United States. I'm just a hack. I'm not a professional, so <laughs> we've got something in common. Yeah. Uh, so I do a lot of uh, outreach, a lot of work with different organizations. I serve on five different advisories from St. John's University, NYU, County College of Morris, uh, other organizations as well, and I'm on board of directors for three nonprofit organizations, all focused on workforce and cybersecurity-related actions. I'm a software developer by trade, and I currently serve as the CIO for Mandelbaum Salzburg, a very large law firm here in New Jersey. Uh, and it's actually interesting advising attorneys on software and software security as that now influences our life and daily actions. Uh, so I give a lot back to the workforce. I have four kids. Uh, I'm very focused on trying to make sure that they have different career choices in front of them, and they're all going to involve cyber no matter what they choose. <laughs> and what he means by career choices, he means anything that gets them out of the basement. That's pretty much the, the career choice. Uh, speaking of the basement and getting out of it, I'm going to go to John, who's always got good things to say. Uh, tell us about what you do. Uh, John Kennedy, uh, I'm the CEO of New Jersey Manufacturing Extension Program, which is NJMEP. Uh, my career has been in engineering and manufacturing, owning companies on both sides, and starting as an uh, electrical apprentice many years ago. Uh, what NJMEP, we're part of a national network. Every state in Puerto Rico has one, but we're not a government agency. And our role is, is I simply break it down to four words. We assess companies, we consult with companies, we train in companies, and we advocate for the industry. Um, and we work very closely because we think that we are the connective tissue between industry and education. So we work very closely with groups, especially with Judy's CTE team. Uh, our pre-apprenticeship programs and apprenticeship programs that we've developed fit very nicely into theirs. And that's how they were developed with their support. Uh, one size does not fit all. All right, everyone, quiet. Howard has a bit of a laryngitis, so we're going to blast him out a little bit. I, a few words. I apologize. <laughs> this may be more painful to you than to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm Howard Learn. I'm the superintendent of schools for Bergen County Technical Schools. We have four high schools in Bergen County as well as an adult ed program. Um, in our four high schools, we have about 2,400 students, over 30 different programs. Each high school is very unique uh, and different from, from the others. Um, we have programs, just like Judy was talking about, ranging from traditional trades, like cosmetology, auto, culinary, all the way to uh, stem cell research and nanotechnology at the high school level. Um, and each school uh, specifies uh, certain programs for uh, that type of student. So we do deal with students who are classified uh, and have special needs, all, to, all the way to the very highest performing students in, in Bergen County. Another thing that Judy had indicated, and, and I want to share with you, in Bergen County, at one of my schools, we get about 1,500 applications for 275 seats. Uh, 
In the other school, we get about 1,100 applications for, for 175 seats. And even our school that's traditional trades, and this is a school, it's my only school that's both full-time and share time. It's about 450 to 500 students. All full-time students are classified with special needs. Shared time is both special needs and general ed. And even in that school, we are 100% filled um, with students each and every year. Um, so every county is different. Um, we just created our fourth high school. It sits on the campus of Burton Community College. It's called Apply Tech High. And we are currently running two programs there, advanced manufacturing or mechatronics, where there's a lot of drone technology, health professions, and then our third and final program will be cybersecurity. So with that, I'll take a break. <laughs> All right, great stuff. That was presented to you by Ludens. Come and get your coffee. Uh, listen, I heard a lot of good things here, and, and let's start with, with why we're all here. Uh, and I'm going to go back to Greg, a good friend. Go Bulldogs. We both love Butler. We talk about that all the time. Uh, but more than that, so you talked about the, the glorification, the demonization of blue-collar workers. And when you hear union, and you hear union guy, we all think, okay, it's Jersey. We hear union. When I think of Greg, I think of an economic development guy, right? That's what 825 is doing is creating things that are building the economy, creating the next workers, working with people. Let's talk a little bit about the training program you have there on the turnpike, which I saw, and how really what you guys are doing is spurring economic development in the state, not just union, right? Sure. Um, and part of it is, and I, I appreciate your comments, because people hear union and they get certain stereotypes uh, in their head, and uh, we like to debunk all those stereotypes because we don't necessarily think they're true. Uh, but what we're doing from an educational perspective, as I alluded to earlier, is uh, raising our platform to be responsive uh, to the technology that's coming in. I mean, we're operators of heavy equipment. The reality is, is that autonomous control is, is moving into what we do. Uh, that doesn't mean the work is going to go away. That means the work is going to change. Uh, so that means we have to change to train that way. So we're moving in a direction where we're going to be able uh, probably sometime by the end of 2020 is our timeline to become a degree issuing institute ourselves where we want to be responsive to autonomous control, to mechanical engineering, to the things that are in the construction space and in the equipment operating and equipment maintenance space that we believe workers are going to have to gravitate towards. So we've been on that path and we believe as it's opened up um, We've gotten into more conversations with employers about how do we bridge the gap from a high schooler into employment because in a lot of instances there is a space there where more training is necessary, more training is needed, um, and kids need to mature a little bit. And we think we offer that spot and that space to talk about what a training program would look like. And we're nimble enough to create things like that. And through this educational platform, it's only going to make it, in our estimation, more powerful our, our goal is to make employers profitable. Um, that's, that's what we really do, to train a workforce that comes in and makes, your, makes a business succeed. So that's, that's what we're looking to do at each and every step of the way. So I'm going to take that and I'm going to go to John Kennedy, who we could say Dr. Kennedy. The thing I love about John, he talks about he's an electrical apprentice. He also has a lot of schooling and everywhere in between. 
But the one thing that, that MEP of the many wonderful things you guys have done, we just about six months ago, you talked about the, what you're working with the Department of Labor, where you're creating this apprenticeship programs, again, to get that little extra training that's needed to prepare the next generation. Talk a little bit about what MEP is doing there. Well, yeah, this has been something that's been on my mind since I took this position seven years ago. And luckily I had resources like uh, the County College Consortia and Judy Savage and Jackie Burke and others that have helped me with this. Because we talk a lot about things like the German model. We don't know much about the German model. I worked for a company that was called Siemens. I worked with them quite a bit. So I know the German model very well. It won't work here for a variety of reasons, good and bad. Uh, but one of the things that it's there is because we look at it, you're right, I have four college degrees and I'm proud of them. But I also have a welding certification from AWS, a NIMS certification for machining. I wanted to make my life recession proof. I can go to work and do anything. Uh, I grew up without money, so it was important. That apprentice in a union was critical to me, my pathway. And we forgot some of this stuff. I read in the Wall Street Journal six months ago that 60% of us don't graduate from any college. 60%. So that means that for every college you know, degree, there's a lot of people without them. That doesn't mean that they're inefficient. And let me tell you the kids that have gone. I was talking to a couple of young men earlier this morning. How about things like, you ever hear this stuff? He's good with his hands. Is that a compliment? Well, you can't be good with your hands if you're not good with your head. How about this one? She's not college material. Is that a compliment? What the hell is college material? You know, at 18, we're not all sure. I bet you look at your own, you know, it didn't go like this. Went around the tree and so on. So to me, you know, we looked at it and we said, okay, we can't repeat the German model, but companies need, there's no pipeline. You know, Bob Stoutinger, you know, from uh, National Manufacturing over in the corner there, Bob and I talk, have talked a lot about it. There's no pipeline. So how do we create that pipeline? One way is that we have to build a foundation. That's the CTE Votech schools. That's the foundation. Our pre-apprenticeship programs that we developed dovetail perfectly with those to bring them along. We also have an apprenticeship program that brings them to the next step. And that next step might be a county college. In fact, our industrial manufacturing production technician just got eight, uh, eight credits from Essex County College and, so that people can go. If you're that kid that mom and dad said, well, you either gotta go to county or get a job, and they go to county, if they have no focus, they're not going anywhere. So this gives them an anywhere. And it's not an either or. That's what Judy was saying. A lot of the kids that come through these CTE schools are going on to college. If you want to be an engineer, you might not be able to afford it, but you can start as an apprentice and develop skills, get paid, and then go to school and have your employer help pay for it. All of these things are positives, and these are the things that we're trying to work on. The problem is, is that it's a mentality thing. Because if I speak to this group, I'm just assuming, forgive me, I'm a dumb engineer, that 
you'd all say you want your kid to go to college, any college. But it's good for the other person's kid. The fact is, is that we all take different pathways, we all learn differently, and we all evolve differently. <clears throat> and at the end of the day, we've got to figure this out because right now in New Jersey, there's 33,000 open jobs in manufacturing. The average pay, and you don't have to take my word for it, go on the National Association of Manufacturing website, the average pay for a person in New Jersey in manufacturing is $90,000 a year. I hear that's pretty good. So I'll shut up. So you shouldn't have called on me. You should called on him. See, the average pay in journalism is like $9,000 a year. So this is actually, you know, I might just check out right here. This is, this is pretty Tom good. is joining our welding program on Tuesday. <coughs> Tom, can I jump off something? Absolutely. <laughs> that John said. No, he was talking about a pipeline. Our, in, in Bergen County, our newest partner is Jaguar. And we have an auto program at, at Paramus Tech. And we teach all the students, you know, auto, you know, how to repair cars and so on and so forth. Well, Jaguar approached us because they have a specific way, a specific training program, specific curriculum. And they're going to be coming in and teaching our students specifically how they want the student taught so that we can feed them um, interns and eventually uh, our students get, get jobs. So I just want to point out a, an example of that. Absolutely. And I meant what I said. If people have questions, if you want to ask these guys specifics about what your needs and this and that, as soon as the hands go up, I reach out. So it's all good. If you want to listen to me talk, that's all good too. But oh, there you go. I did have a question. All right. Um, my name is Debbie. Uh, we're from uh, Lixel in Skadaway. I haven't heard much about plumbing. I know that it's not offered in every uh, county, so I'm just curious about what um, you brought up Jaguars, so that's why I popped my hand up. Um, just what other, what we can do as a private company, um, you know, we have an office, our headquarters is here in Piscataway, New Jersey, um, requiring a lot of these uh, technical skills. Um, we don't have manufacturing here in New Jersey anymore, but we do in, in some of our other states here in the U.S. And uh, just was curious what else we could be doing because we recognize that plumbers, there's, it's literally up for every three that retire, one is coming into the, to the, into the job. And we recognize that that is potentially a health crisis. Um, I mean, plumbing is what protects everybody from illness and disease. So it's, it's important, and I just am curious what else we could do to help build up the curriculum for plumbers. So I'll, I'll jump into that. Um, so I would say that um, all of the county vocational schools have programs in the construction trades. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head how many to maintain those as separate trade programs, HVAC, plumbing, carpentry, electrical. Some have gone more to a more broad-based foundational program that would encompass all the trades, recognizing that in order to become a licensed plumber, electrician, any of those things that students are going to need to go beyond high school and get that more specialized training. That said, um, I would invite you 
to reach out and connect. And while you're here today, the folks from Middlesex and Somerset are, you know, are right in your backyard. They're here in the room today. Um, every county vocational school operates employer advisory committees, whether that is a specific advisory committee for construction trades or a more broad-based group. And we need to have employers on those committees. And I was, it goes back to what Greg was talking about, how the technology is evolving. Now, you operate, you're an employer and a school. So you can advise yourself about how the industry is changing. But for vocational technical schools and colleges and local high schools, educators know a little bit, but they don't know the specifics. So for example, you know, and I'll show you how much I don't know about plumbing and fixtures, but a, a plumbing program needs somebody from American Standard to come in and say, this is the new technology. And I do remember working with somebody from American Standard when we were trying to develop a more green focus construction program and really helpful in, in talking about you got to be training people to know about low flow toilets or when we get in you know when you get into electrical if the employers are not out there talking about LEDs and the you know the new technologies there the teachers who might be 5 10 15 or more years out of practicing in the industry need those employer advisors to tell them. And that applies to everything from construction trades to computer technology. If employers weren't saying go mobile, how, how would the schools know? And right, I'm going to get to you in a second. Before that, I'm going to give a shout out to my friends at Lixel. Um, because here's something that they are doing. There's an unbelievable program called Tools and Tierras. Has anyone heard of Tools and Tierras? We've written about it. My daughter was a part of that. It started with a union plumber in New York, and her goal is to train only girls how to do plumbing. And my daughter's been through the program twice, and they visited Lixel this summer. So it's unbelievable. We have girls from 5 to 15 that are learning the trades. And it's not Great. just plumbing. They learn welding. They learn sheet metal. They learn carpentry. Um, my daughter is 13, apparently is quite the welder at this point. So we're thrilled. It's a great program, and, and I thank you for your support because it, it really is wonderful. Uh, you were jumping I, up, so. I was. Uh, I just wanted to add to, to a lot of things. So we're from Middlesex County, which is definitely talking, and Somerset as well. We're, we're here, we're represented. But as well, there are multiple pathways that come out of many of our programs. So in our secondary mm -hmm. programs, we might not offer directly a plumbing program, but our adult ed does. Uh, however, we see many of our programs and, and we see the results of that to work with other partners that the pathways can, can be many. So out of our multiple HVAC programs, and obviously we deal with plumbing, electrical, and heating, air conditioning, refrigerating, and all that, which are many of the skills that, that are included in something like that, so they won't only go into HVAC, they can go into those areas as well. We've had the operators uh, union come and, and give their demonstrations. We have our welding programs, we have our automotive programs, we have many of those things that some of the students, because we have those programs, will be interested in pathways to go on and, and go into those fields as well. So in our secondary programs, it's not always a one-for-one. One. We have to have a program in this in order to get there, but to see what are the multiple pathways that we can be building for and go into. Same thing with our information technology, and, and there's a pathway for cybersecurity. Yeah, well, let's get into that because you don't immediately think of cybersecurity when you think of this type of stuff. So talk a little bit about the programs that, that you're familiar with and how that gets to the next level. Sure. Um, so I, I'll use the analogy of real estate, and, and people always say that uh, it's location, location, location. Um, the difference, however, is all companies are in the absolute worst location for their business, which is 
connected to the internet. Um, so as we sort of look at that uh, as an analogy, um, we have to understand that everybody's equal, connected to the same sort of premise, right? So all of the different schools that I've associated with and assist with, the programs are very much employer focused and trying to help contribute to sort of what is needed in tech. Tech moves really fast, right? We know that and we know, that, of course, critical thinking skills are really important. Um, so good foundational components are important. Good understanding of some of the basics and fundamentals are always important. And speaking to either new software languages that are come, becoming more prominent uh, or technologies that are being used certainly help individuals and organizations build robust programs. Um, as was mentioned by the gentleman, uh, even from the, uh, the space of uh, vehicles, autonomous vehicles, right? One of the things they're going to rely on heavily is what? GPS. Uh, what else are they going to heavily rely on? Predictive, ana predictive analytics for failures of systems. So as we start looking at the cyber component, as I've mentioned with my kids, uh, whatever they're going to do is going to be involved in tech, I'm sure, because it's, it really influences a lot of what we do. From the plumbing side, uh, you're going to have sensors and environmental controls uh, that need to be monitored and controlled. And of course, if these sensors, if the integrity of the sensors are manipulated, it can cause downstream failure. So these things are uh, more than just surfing the internet or more of encryption or ransomware. That's what we hear about in the news all day long. Uh, but really what we should be focused on is trying to enable uh, and assist and be able to be a force multiplier. Greg, you're scribbling notes there. I know you got something to add. Let's go. What do you got? Well, what, uh, one thing just to go back to the, the plumbing question, and, and this is, I think, where there's innate value to dealing with particular some of the construction unions. And um, I have to issue a double disclaimer because I'm vice president of the board, uh, Votech board in Somerset, and my superintendent's here, and uh, <laughs> my daughter's a guidance counselor at East Brunswick Tech, and her boss is here. So, uh, so, uh, but, but the Just keep in mind, there's no double dipping with the unions in New Jersey. That's all been. <laughs> but the vote, but the Votech system is something I've become uh, very familiar with over the last couple of years and come to really appreciate. Uh, but one of the things I think to appreciate back when you talk about the construction unions is the question would be is have you talked to the plumbers union? And when I ask that question, um, the reason I ask that question is this. When we put out the word for the operating engineers that we're going to take apprentice applications, the line starts forming a week ahead of time. And for employers in the room, I want you to think about that. So if you can partner with somebody, whether it's in my space or in one of the other spaces, that's the kind of power you bring to people who want to work in these places is to partner up with a union apprenticeship program because the good side of the word union is people think good pay and good benefits. And they line up to try to get into these apprentice programs. And I think it's something that if you spoke to local nines training schools right down 33, you know, I don't know how open they are to the conversation, but I think you have to have the conversation. And, and I know, Greg, from our conversations and from talking to other people, when you, when you think of union, you think of adult white male, middle-aged guy. And that's not what unions are. That's not where they want to go. Tools and Tierras is a great example of that. Um, talk a little bit about the idea of reaching out to underserved populations. This is females. This is everything. And that's where unions are growing, correct? Sure. I mean, we, we've applied for the Women and Minority Training Grant and want to work with some of the inner cities. That's... Uh, inner city governments always kind of lean toward how do we bring people from the inner city in to jobs like ours. So we're uh, working toward that end now. Um, it's uh, working with the DPW in the city of Newark, how to train their workforce to pave their own roads and do it through the operating engineer. So there's partnerships to be made uh, all over the place. Uh, on the 
totally the other kind of end of the spectrum if you talk about new economies, uh, because I, I heard somebody mention the German apprentice model. Uh, I have a training school from Germany coming in my office this afternoon who trains in offshore wind. That's going to be a new economy, so we're looking of how do we marry the construction workers that might do that work to the training that's already been done because they've got this down. They've done it in the North Sea. So let me ask a question for any of you, any of you up here. The idea when, when, a, when a school, when a county, when a company comes in and says, we need workers, right? Everybody needs workers. We've heard all the stats. Help us. Help us create these workers. What do you guys need to hear from that outside entity before you can start doing a program? Rattle off some of the things, that the, the first questions that would come to you. Well, I, I think the, you know, the first thing is making that connection. And one of the things we left you all with is a list of contacts you know, for county vocational schools in the region. The doors are open. These are, these are public schools that exist to prepare the workforce for that region. So nobody should be shy about knocking on the door to say, we're looking to develop our future workforce. How can we work together? So that, you know, that I think is the key message. I'm probably not the best person to answer about how that conversation proceeds. Well, Maybe, Howard, you could- To jump that off way. that, it's- we would never turn away a small business, a medium business, or a large corporation. We need you as much or more than you may need us or our students. Um, it's all about networking. And if you contact any superintendent or principal of a CTE program, I guarantee you will get a call back and you will have a conversation and they'll that principal or superintendent will, will connect you with the right person. You know, just because American standards here, and you, you talked about plumbing, <clears throat> we have a plumbing program in our adult ed program, green technology in our Paramus Tech High School. And we started the apprenticeship program at, at adult ed, and I think we started with three adults. And now it's like over 30. And Businesses are stepping up. They love helping us out, and we love sending students, regardless of where you're located. And I'm sure you know you have businesses up in, in the Bergen area as well. But all it is is a connection, networking. All of our schools, the 21 CT programs, all have websites. You could find emails, contacts, uh, and, and if you just call up, I guarantee it's going to be a very warm welcome for you. All right, I'm just going to throw it out. You don't have to take advantage, but if you've ever wanted to do a Godfather impersonation in front of an entire <laughs> crowd, today is your moment. This is the time. Everybody will love it. Yes, miss. Good morning, Maggie. I'm from the Small Business Development Center. Today, everyone, today everyone associates entrepreneurship with high-tech startups, but obviously that's a very limited definition. What is being done to promote and prepare these students to run their own company? Well, we have, uh, you know, we learn a lot from business. So we partnered with Stryker on one of our new advanced manufacturing programs. And what the, what the businesses do to help us is besides being on advisory committees, they do program development with us. They do curriculum development. But they also send in people and establish um, like a design challenge for our students. 
So strike will come in, develop a challenge. We break up the students into groups of five or six. And then they have four to six weeks to work on this. Strike sends people in halfway through. They look at the design, what they're creating, how the students are working together, and they give suggestions. Afterwards, our students need to go there and present the outcome. So for instance, the first challenge they ever gave us was a rover that had to have a um, fire suppression system uh, as part of the rover. What we learned from that, besides the engineering and the creation and working together, is really this, this soft skills, the presentation skills needed along the way. So what we ended up doing is from that experience, we created a ninth grade class that has to do with all the soft skills that we believe now from what we're learning from all the businesses, what's needed to be successful in a business, not just the content. So that's just one example of what we try to do uh, to get our students ready. So John, I'm going to go to you. When, when you know manufacturing like no one else, and you know that manufacturing does a lot of different things in a lot of different areas, when you're working with the companies to create the, the, the apprenticeships in the next program, what are some of the skills that you're working on that they need that you're helping to bring to them with some of their people? Well, part of the problem is that everybody wants to enter the workforce at this level, <laughs> not at this level. So that is part of the issue. So when we look at it, you know, we talk about machining, and it's all CNC, a lot of companies, that's computer and numeric controls, all of these things, wonderful. But if you don't know basics in machining, you can't be a good CNC program and operator. So we look at it that there needs to be foundational education. So if you want somebody to go into plumbing, they need that. That's why we develop, we've developed five now approved by the US DOL. But I look at the CTE schools as tremendous foundational learning that people can go off. There's on-ramps, off-ramps. And we've done the same thing with our apprenticeship programs, which are really a year, a year and a half in in length, mainly because companies need somebody, they need them to be productive. We, they can't spend three to five years. So after they've gone through our programs or come out of the CTE schools, they can go to the union and have something. They can go to your company in plumbing. They can go to national manufacturing because you can't get away from that foundation. I think we've done a disservice in education when we don't give that. You know, I, I, I often tell a story, and I, I won't. I had a young man who was uh, one of my Eagle Scouts, bright National Merit Scholar, got him a job with a manufacturer for the summer. Friend of mine was the president. He called me up. He says, I got I to gotta let Raj go. And I said, Raj, why? He's on time. He's great. And he goes, yeah. He goes, but he can't do basic shop math in his head. He's looking for a calculator or a phone. Here's a National Merit Scholar. Now don't cry for Raj, he went to Rutgers, he works for Deloitte now, he's doing fine. In fact, I just heard that he just got engaged. So he's moving on with life. But the point being is that, you know, he didn't have that foundation. You know, and I remember, I went to Catholic school, so I remember the nuns drilling them, you know, the times tables into my head. 
I know what a gerund is, do you? <laughs> Didn't get me anywhere, but they made me learn. <laughs> but to, to feed off of Howard's point and, and the question that came up, part of the problem we have in working with the incubators is that there's no business acumen. They come to us and they say, we've got this great thing. Here it is sketched out, and we want to build it. Okay, who can make it for us for free? Hey, Bob, if I called you and said, hey, could you do these prototypes for free, what would you do to me? Need more volume. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of the problem. However, did you know that 75% of all R&D in the private sector is done by manufacturers? 75%. Do you know that there's 11,130 manufacturers in the state of New Jersey? That there's almost 400,000 employees? But that means there's only 34 people per company. So they're all small companies for the most part. But they do incredible stuff. They work with the CTE schools. They work with the, the, the everything cyber. Believe me, we did <laughs> DOD work. The unions are critical. We were just over at Paredes yesterday on a tour. And you know their union connection trains everybody. All of these things are important, every piece. But what happens is we look at one piece and we want to fix that and we don't connect. So, sorry, I went off the rails. No, no, but no. That's why we have you here. We love it when you go off. <laughs> Anyone else out there? Yes, sir. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Dave Nash, Mercer County Technical Schools. I want to just offer the connection to what the panel said to you as a business owner, as a corporation. If you're in this room searching talent, I want to give you some practical, useful terminology as well as buzzwords to synthesize the connection for you when you leave this room. Because it's all about all of us connecting after this. And this panel is going awesome, by the way. You guys are great. This is a win. When you call a CTE school, you're searching for someone like myself or the other gentlemen in this room and the women in this room that, that handle the position of synthesizing SLEs, which is a, a term for structured learning experience, or co-op, CEC co-op. That's what you need to say when you call the district. Hi, I'm searching for the SLE coordinator or the CEC co-op coordinator because that is the person who's the HR department that works for you. That's what I do in Mercer County. If you are in Mercer County, I want to connect with you today. I want to make it happen. I'm passionate about seeing my guys and girls succeed and I want to work with you so we can establish this in a real tangible way. I'm for private sector. I thank God every day for what I do. I help kids launch. And they're on Teenage Island. Teenage Island is a fictitious term. It's in the book that I'm writing. You know, look, we all know the rules on Teenage Island. Lie till you die, tell your parents what they need to know, and then do whatever the heck you want. But the problem is, that doesn't land the plane. You can circle the tower your senior and junior year playing that game, but sooner or later, the, the landing gear's got to come down, the plane's got to hit the runway. And then it jumps to the next level. College, military, trade school, career-based employment with upward mobility. Those are your four when you talk to people. So in closing, if you need anything, you want to find the SLE and CEC co-op coordinator in the district, and you want to build a relationship. That person, I, I'm, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I call people back in one day. That's my rule that I implicated. Because when I was in private sector, when I reached out to bureaucracies or schools or state agencies, and they didn't get back to me, they, I'm dying here. I'm, I'm grinding here in the real world where the month is ending and the reports are due. I need to serve people. I'm an HR department. I work for you. I want to work for you. And I know that the other people that hold the position that I collaborate and work with in their own counties, we want to get together and we want to make it happen. 
So thanks, and I appreciate the time to share this. I'm stunned that local government didn't immediately get back to you. That's, that's shocking to all of us. <laughs> uh, anyone else out there want to jump in? Yes, sir. How you doing? Uh, I'm Vince Vicari. I'm the uh, director of the SBDC in Bergen County. Uh, we're hosted at Rampal College. And one of the resources that is available to all uh, businesses and educational institutions are collaboration with other public resources. I agree. Networking is important. And, but the basics of business is also very important for trades and for people uh, involved in pathing their own career after graduation. And the clients that we see, Maggie and I see, are clients that are come to the SBDC network, the only arm of the SBA that actually has salaried employees to help businesses, come to us from the trades. When they do, um, there is a uh, many issues in business that need to be addressed. And so whether you're a plumber, carpenter, electrical, welder, if you're in manufacturing, you know, are you familiar with what's involved with ISO 9000 or Six Sigma or those, uh, those issues? Business um, training, marketing, uh, things in finance and accounting, HR issues, 1099 versus W-2 and classification problems that people come up with. These are things that we can assist with in the no-cost public sector. Uh, problems uh, with... Uh, Procurement, doing business with the government. These are things that we deal with on a daily basis. So when uh, these uh, schools, when they're developing curriculum and when you're developing curriculum for the trades, uh, I urge you to reach out to the NJSBDC network because we're statewide and we provide these skills uh, by qualified people in the public service sector. So, um, so with that, I'm Vince Vicari. I'm up in Bergen County. We're statewide. Our uh, statewide website is njsbdc.com, and we're in a community near you. So we are available as a public resource. And you know, we generally provide uh, a lot of times the um, intellectual capital within incubators, and we do on-site training uh, for uh, for business development. So with that, uh, I'll be here and agreed. It's all about networking and the resources in the room. We work a lot with the SBDCs to develop business plans for some of those incubators that come to people that come out of there. They're a great resource because you're not going anywhere and you're not getting a bank loan without a business plan. And the SBDC is a great resource. Judy, I'm going to go to you. As you hear all this talk, and, and we had a nice presentation on where the Votech training is today. Where is it going to be five years from now? When we, when we reconvene here in, in 2023, what are you seeing some of the things that you look ahead and say, man, if we can start implementing that, that's going to help us even more? Um, I, th I think there's going to continue to be lots of changes. Um, the first thing is this Bond Act is going to make available some money for expansion and for new programs. So some of the things that our schools are looking at are continued expansion um, for manufacturing programs, logistics and global supply chain. Um, it, that's a, an emerging area for county vocational schools. I think Middlesex and Passaic were the first two out of the box in terms of developing programs in that area, but look where we're sitting, right here at 8A. Huge industry for New Jersey, so that involves 
you know, all the, the business piece of it and robotics and I, a lot of things I don't even understand. So there will be a lot of new programs in those areas. Definitely continued growth in tech. I think cybersecurity is just, uh, you know, we're just beginning to get out of the box. Morris was the first district to start a program there with the help of Tom and his colleagues. And I think that, that I hope that we're going to continue to see like this blurring of the lines between programs in a county vocational school, programs in a local district. We need to partner more. The vocational schools partnering tremendously with county colleges and four-year colleges, but there's room for lots more growth in that area. And um, I think a greatly increasing emphasis on work-based learning, getting high school kids out of the school, out of the classroom, and into real work-based experiences. Everybody's doing it a little bit, but um, the vocational schools are committed to doing more of it. State policy is going to be pushing in the direction of doing more of it. Um, that is a huge opportunity because the best training for a job is having a job and seeing how it really works. It's great when your shop teacher says, well, you're not going to be able to do that on the job, but it's even better when you get to see that for real. So those are just And then a you few won't have the things. question from the 10th grader, what do I have to learn about the Holy Roman Empire? How is that going to help me get a job in the real world? Uh, what you guys are doing, Tom, let me go to you on the cyber stuff, because when I hear about cybersecurity, I think about stuff that's way over my head of ability to understand. Talk a little bit about the programs that are going with that and how we're developing that next generation. Anything doing with tech, anything to do with cyber is, is obviously going to be booming. Talk a little bit about how that works. Sure. Um, so I contribute a lot of time to different groups, as I mentioned, but the one that I spend most of my time with for development is, is Morris County Voc Tech. Um, so looking at the programs that are associated there, as I mentioned, fundamentals are extremely important. Uh, understanding that the fundamentals of education for cybersecurity or cyber in general uh, is the foundational knowledge of how things connect, how things interconnect, how they collaborate. Uh, and again, we get into the technical jargon, but at the end of the day, it's really about fundamental practices uh, and essentials within cyber. Because as I mentioned, everyone's connected to the internet equally, uh, and you all have the same problem, right? So that's kind of where that comes from. Um, but with Morris, you know, what we've spent a lot of time with uh, and with County College and uh, County Colleges Morris as well interacting uh, is developing a, a syllabus that is useful for uh, uh, current technologies in use uh, as well as when people come out or look for uh, internships or careers, they can actually plug in with the employers because the technologies being used are, uh, are useful. Uh, I'll give you a simple example like a thing called PowerShell. Uh, today, if you don't use PowerShell in your environment, uh, you know, you're, you're not very current in technology in your companies. So if you're going to be training people on scripting and the use of uh, automation technologies, PowerShell becomes a very important aspect. Again, we get into the jargon very quickly. We know everybody's moving to cloud-based technologies, and in most cases that's because they, although there's not enough workforce in most cases, you're pushing it to a third party because you're deferring some of your risk, but you still own the data. So again, teaching some cloud technology services are really important for organizations. Um, so again, focused on uh, meaningful syllabuses, focused on meaningful learning exercises, uh, focused on fundamentals. Uh, we start touching into some of the other components that are in uh, autonomous vehicles, such as drones. Um, these areas are both educational and fun. Uh, and of course, the best people that are in these programs are typically going to be striving to spend as, uh, an awful lot of time learning and consuming. Uh, in, in this particular vehicle, uh, meaning education in tech, 
Uh, I think a lot of the people that gravitate to it are, you know, they're all in, right? It's not an elective that they haven't chosen, something that they want to spend their time on. So they're doing it in their spare time as well as during their, their coursework, which is really important. So, Greg, I'm going to turn to you. You mentioned before, talk a little bit, tell the people about the idea of working on more, and you talked about different types of learning and getting a degree program there, and it's not just, you know, the Flintstones. We're going to learn how to use the power loader. And again, we all know that everybody's job is going to change every three to five years. You're preparing kids and the next generation to do a lot more than just one basic tool. Talk about the wide-ranging education, because I think that's really important. Sure. Well, first, I'm 12 years educated by priests and nuns, so if you want to have a conversation about the Holy Roman Empire, I'm, a, I'm equipped. Um, it wasn't holy, it wasn't Roman, and it wasn't an empire. That's all you need to know. But, but I think as we, as we talk about... Um, if you want to talk about the Holy Roman Empire for a minute, I think part of the lesson in that is the, the classic change or die message. Uh, because as we, go, as we go through life, and I'll defer to um, you know, IT people here, but when you look at uh, storage, when you look at bandwidth, when you look at uh, computing speed, you know, those would be called the three digital accelerators. And when those things collide, things change rapidly and quickly. So in a world of autonomous cars, for us in a world of autonomous equipment, that thing is, that is, the world's just going to change. It's going to be profound and it's going to be different. It's going um, to be fast. Very fast. And, and my members didn't want to believe it when we set out to change our educational platform. I thought they were going to come with the white suit and drag me away until I showed them video of autonomous equipment at work on a wind farm in North Dakota. Suddenly the room got quiet uh, because this is very real. Uh, so. But the work's not going to go away, it's just going to change. So the idea for us in changing the educational platform and what we're going to teach was all about two things. One, to hopefully be able to change a workforce that's in one mindset to a newer mindset because you don't want to leave 7,500 operating engineers uh, in our local and 400,000 nationwide behind. Uh, that's not really a good thing. The average age of an operating engineer is in their early 50s. Uh, that's not a good place to be in. Uh, but for the workforce of the future, um, what, does that, what work is going to be there? What skills are they going to need to have? And for us, as the transition comes, they're going to need the new school learning, and they're going to know how to do the traditional job, because this is going to be a transition. It's not a light switch uh, type atmosphere. And you know, when you think about uh, surrendering to autonomous cars or autonomous equipment, uh, you know, that's where I would acknowledge my cybersecurity friend to my left, because I think you're going to need it uh, to keep everything in order. Another, another add there, there, um, as well as my backyard happens to be Picatinny Arsenal. Uh, so Picatinny Arsenal, a lot of the autonomous battlefield technology that's coming into place is really where we're going, right? We, we know this to be, uh, again, highly dependent on um, uh, forward-facing battlefront areas that, you know, have autonomous uh, buildings, autonomous construction, autonomous uh, leveling, mine clearing, et cetera. Then we get into automation of warfighters. I mean, there's lots of interesting concepts there. So again, establishing those strong relationships relationships with the incubators, I think is an important aspect of it. I think establishing, again, the networking relationships is extremely important because it sort of leads where we're going to go in some of our Votech stuff. And the companies that are going to be looking to hire, of course, are going to be looking for those cutting edge technologies. And that's also a draw for the students, right? Because they want to be working on modern things uh, in some cases. Uh, so I think that the uh, relationships are key, uh, but I continue to see more and more, again, privacy, security, confidentiality, integrity 
these are just basic fundamentals these days that we all now hear about probably every day in the news. Uh, but you know, again, the, uh, the the workforce to secure systems and to make sure that they're interoperable, um, unfortunately, is severely lacking. There's not a lot of folks that actually do the work. Um, From from the school's point of view, <clears throat> up in Bergen, we started what we call a futurist committee, where we look at the economy, we look at projected jobs, but more so, we get people on the committee, teachers, uh, business professionals, uh, all constituent groups, to look five, ten years in advance of where we think uh, our economy is going and what types of new technologies will be so that we can start doing the research and, and getting an idea through focus groups if students are interested in that so that we could create programs. So we're constantly looking 10 years in advance um, so that we're always changing uh, our educational programs. And I would, I would just add that I think the schools are, are thinking of tech as part of those foundational skills that students need for whatever career they're going into. You know, that's, that's part of this shift from, you know, the old Votech where we, we, train, we used to train you to fix a car. Well, now you need to be able to read a technical manual. You need to be able to use computer diagnostics. You need to be able to do the math. And you need to be prepared for this lifetime of learning. But tech is going to change every single job. That's, well, that's you know, just a fact, you if it, it hasn't already. I, I want to ask the question, because there's going to be a, an easy belief to say, OK, autonomous vehicles, AI, that, that, what that's going to do, that's going to eliminate a lot of these blue collar jobs, right? We're just going to come in. We're going to hire machines. They're going to do it. And I know that's not the case. And you guys are all nodding that's not the case. But I think a lot of people think that, oh, once AI comes in, we don't need any truck drivers anymore. They're all going to be. But that's just not true. Talk about how that enters the training programs that you guys put together. Well, let's look at reality for a second. And I think everybody here spoke about it. Uh, jobs change. They've always changed. I'm born bred in Madison. Dodgers. Sorry. I had to take that shot. Uh, my son's third generation through Madison. So I've seen a lot of evolution. But in Madison, we have the Early Trades Museum. And I've taken so many scout groups through that program that I started reading diaries. And I remember reading a diary of this guy who was working on this site. And he was one of four people that were running a drill. But a new technology was only going to have two people run on this drill. So two jobs were out. And he wrote a letter home to his wife, afraid that he was going to lose his job. And then later on in the diary, it talks about how he was retrained for something else. And that's the reality, is that all of these things need retraining. So that machinist is now running maybe a series of machines. You also have to keep those machines repaired. You also have to be able to do a variety of different pieces. Remember, a lot of this stuff, businesses are businesses. Manufacturers need sales and marketing. Those are good career paths. So there's a lot of different pieces. And that's part of the point that I think everybody made here is that things do change. And we need to change with them. I, I, I have the odd look at Votex. Because grew, growing up and living in the same town, I've had the advantage of looking back at all the 
burnouts that I went to high school with who happened to be my friends because they were the guys in Votech. We remember them, right? All of them that I know of are doing phenomenally well. And some of them could buy and sell pretty much anybody in this room uh, because of what they learned. And a lot of them went back to college because they, when they started their business, they didn't need that. So the point being is that there are pathways on and off. And those Votech schools of yesteryear have evolved to the CTE schools, but I love when Judy says, we gotta tie back into the regular high schools because I'll be honest, in Madison High, the shop is now a workout room for the football team, and the drafting room is for the music. Both good programs, <clears throat> both important. I'm a nerd jock as it is, so I get it. But we eliminated all the other stuff, and we're relying on a group of schools that need our support, so I'm so excited about the money that's gonna be spent there because they are the linchpin. If, if there's a town that's more proud of itself than Madison, I don't know what it is. I get that from all of the Madison people. It, it's a, it, it, is there any doubt? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't I, help. I'm respectful of the time, so let's do one or two more, and then, uh, and then we'll try to wrap things up, but we're going to be here for a long time. It, building exactly on what you were talking about. Everybody in this room, there's a grant out right now. Many paths, one future. Oh, I'm sure plenty of you in this room are aware of it and know of its existence. If you are not aware of it, many paths, one future. Google it. It's a user-friendly from Department of Labor. It's, it's an opportunity to hire a student from a CTE program or a community college into your place of employment, whether it be a small business and everything else that falls under the sun. And once the individual starts to work and there's a, a application filled out and submitted from the CTE school or community college, Melinda Benson is the person that handles it with DOL. She's on leave right now. There's another gentleman running the program. When you make contact with the application email address, that will start the communication with your business and Department of Labor. And basically, if you hire a student from a CTE program and, it, and they're from a CTE school, they're eligible for this grant. It's $1,500 for the first round, and you can re-up and go two rounds. So basically $3,000 to try on a pair of shoes to see if it gives you a blister, which if I'm doing my job and the other people that do what I do are doing their job well, you're going to get a solid candidate, a guy or girl, plugged into your facility, and you get to train them, and now you get a little reimbursement. So useful information. I want to share it. Thanks. Who doesn't want to send their kid to Mercer County? <laughs> right? They, they would clean the room. I know that. That's pretty powerful. Who's over here? Yes, sir. I would, I would also add and expand upon a couple of things that, that we can kind of share in, too. Uh, the next level of partnerships is, is what we're working on right now as well. The, the collaboration, the connections between business and industry and, and us is very, very important. Simultaneously, we're now taking that to the next level in many areas. Uh, Judy had mentioned the carpenters. And we work with the carpenters union. Uh, for the past three years, we've been sending students there to the training centers and working with that. Uh, the union apprenticeship has changed from five years to four years, yet if they take place and, and complete the workbook series of career connections, that apprenticeship now becomes a three-year apprenticeship. Uh, we've made connections with the Port Authority. 
where we actually bring students to the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey and see all the construction projects that are going on there. So it's more than just a connection, it's actually hands-on, sightseeing, uh, and the opportunities that are there. Howard had mentioned Jaguar, we have the relationship with MN Mercedes-Benz. They have e-curriculum. If we're ASE certified, and we are, then they automatically you know, qualify for this program. If they go out and they complete the e-curriculum that Jaguar and Mercedes have put out, then they're automatically brought in there when they're hired as not only a level one, but when they complete the 12 weeks of training for them, they're a level two technician already. So it's kind of taking these collaborations, these, these connections, and saying, what else can we do? How else can we build upon this? From not just, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll meet some of you, or, or we'll take you in, or we'll give you a tour, but what else can we do? What else can we help with? How can we advance these students? Because they're advanced already. So many good takeaways. For me, it's now I know where to take my Jaguar when I need to get it fixed. I, I've always struggled with that, but now I know where I can get the proper training. Hi, I'm Shannon Swilly Greco from the Princeton Plasma Physics Lab. I just wanted to introduce myself and have anybody from the Votech schools come talk to me because I miss the networking part in the morning. But we're a government research lab, so we're a little different than a lot of people in this room. But uh, we're just getting into apprenticeships, and so we want to connect with all of you and learn how you've done it and bring your students into our. So we've just started. Um, our first apprenticeships, we have four of our apprenticeships. We work with Judy to uh, help set that up. I've met a few of you in this room. Bruno came and uh, did an article at our place. We have uh, four uh, apprentices um, right now in our first batch. Um, and we work with Dave Nash from Mercer County Technical School. But all y'all, we're, welcome, we're welcoming everybody into our lab. We've got um, electrical uh, technicians and mechanical technicians working on a fusion energy device. That's what our research is about, is creating fusion uh, as an alternative energy source. And we've got all of these uh, jobs that we've been talking about represented. We've got carpenters. We've got electricians. We've got plumbers. Uh, we've all of these things are represented. We actually are, we're also looking to expand our apprenticeship into health physics, so like radiation technicians. So I'm looking for ways to do this. I'm new to this, but um, yeah, come talk to me, please. Thanks. <laughs> so again, take your Jaguar and learn how to turn fusion into energy, and you'll be all set. Uh, at, the, at, the, at the Princeton, you get to work with Assemblyman Zwicker, who is uh, the smartest guy in the room, but also the nicest guy in the room, who gets it, who understands this next generation of what we're doing. All right, we're rolling along. We want to make sure that there's plenty of chance for post-event networking. We know a lot of you guys are just dying to get back to work because that's what everybody wants to do. So I'm going to give everybody a final word up here. Then, you know, listen, we're here all day. So let's stick around. If you guys want to keep talking, if you want to keep eating, that's great too. This has been good conversation. I'm glad that everyone's been willing to, to jump in. That's what makes these things fun. So let's just go down the, the room, and I'm going to start with Howard. And just give me one final thought of what you'd like to, to leave people with. Well, I think that... <coughs> Next, next time I'll come with a voice. Uh, or a sign first. Or yeah. a sign. I, I was good, but I don't know it. So. I think the, the one thing I want to leave people in the room with is don't go against the family. Exactly. <laughs> Godfather, it should be a masculine child. <laughs> it's a line from the Godfather. Um, connection. Networking, collaboration, communication, tremendously important for business and for our CTE schools. I can't even explain to you how um, open we are to have as many businesses as possible to work with in Bergen County. 
I am connected to over 300 businesses through advisory committees, internships, mentorships, curriculum development, program development. We can't survive without you. Um, so uh, my takeaway, continue to network and let's work together uh, for the future because there's going to be a lot of changes and it's going to be quick. All right, John, Dunn, the only thing John hasn't figured out how to do in life is hit a 90 mile an hour curveball. If he could have done that, <laughs> pretty I could, close. I could hit the curve, I just couldn't hit the one that was high and tight. <laughs> one word, exposure. A lot of our young people aren't exposed to things. We think they are, but they're not. They don't get out enough into the real world and be exposure. And that's why industry needs to combine with the CTE schools, with the county colleges, and connect young people to expose, exposure of career paths, exposure to education paths, and give them a better feedback. Think about it. They don't know where to go because they've never seen it elsewhere. So it's a great thing that we can do. Thanks. Uh, so I guess the cyber guy will say, "Don't click on things." Uh, <laughs> but the reality of it is, is, is you know, look at look at some of the technologies that are being deployed, you know, even over the holidays, and, and take the time to sort of take a, yourself, take a look at some of the instruction manuals. They're not that difficult. Uh, the reality of it is, is that I think we still have very fundamental problems with cyber. A lot of things are expected to go click, 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 and and be online and secure. It's not how it works, uh, and uh, just like your own home, uh, you know the idea is is that security comes from a, a risk-based approach, uh, and trying to teach our people about the business side and also the risks of impacting the business, because typically a threat model or an attack of a system is somebody that is using it in a way that was not predicted to be used. So again, hackers are just about ethics, right? Good guys, bad guys. Um, we just need to understand the risks. So I think part of it is kind of where I started about destigmatizing blue-collar work or working with your hands. And where that kind of wraps up for me is, uh, you know, I had the benefit of, if I said Eagle Scout, Del Barton School, Albright College union leader, um, you'd think one of those things didn't belong, uh, but I'm all for those things. Um, but where I went to college was a pre-med factory, so I'm friends with a lot of doctors. And those doctors all had great careers. But they got out of med school under a crush of debt, an absolute crush. And to their great credit, they had successful lives. They bought the McMansion. They bought the Jaguars and the Mercedes. They had the capacity to leverage that kind of debt. They've had that debt through their life. We're sending our kids to college now. They can write the check easier than a blue-collar guy like myself has. But now in their mid-50s, we're looking ahead and I know I'm going to be retired by the time I'm 65. I know it's going to be a comfortable retirement. They're trying to figure out how to work till they're 75 because they still have to pay off debt. So working with your hands or being in the trenches isn't really the worst thing in the world. And how we destigmatize that is really part of the mission of a lot of people because it's a good story to tell. And you don't have to not be educated or blue collar. That's the mission we're on. You can be both and it's successful, and, and that's something that, from an operating engineer perspective, we're trying to talk about every day. All right, so I'm gonna give Judy the last word, but before I do that, I just wanna thank you again. You, she was the, the impetus for bringing us all together. I think this has been very insightful and fascinating, so thank you for that, and you can thank close you. us out. So I, so I think my last word is it's all about the partnership, because if 
if we work together and if employers are willing to invest their time and their energy in working with the schools, I think we can accomplish a lot of those things, including the, the destigmatizing and you know keeping that curriculum moving forward. So um, get to know us. Thank you. There you go. All right. So I know everybody wants to run up here and get a selfie with these guys. So just hold off for a second. <laughs> We're going to get their picture. And then again, stay as long as you like. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the networking. And thank you for coming. And we look forward to seeing you at another ROI event. Thank you. 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 Thank you.